Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Today I'm speaking with the one, the only, Olivia Newton-John. For more than five decades, Olivia's been one of our most successful and adored entertainers. A four-time Grammy Award winner, she is one of the world's best-selling recording artists of all time, with more than 100 million albums sold. Her starring roles in the iconic movies Grease and Xanadu catapulted her into superstardom. Her appeal as a performer is timeless. In addition to her music and screen successes, Olivia's perhaps best known for her strength, courage, and grace. After her own personal journeys with cancer, she has thrived and become an inspiration for millions around the world. A tireless advocate for countless charities, her true passion is as the founding champion of the Olivia Newton-John Cancer Wellness and Research Center in her hometown of Melbourne, Australia. And... She's been an amazing ally to the LGBTQ community for decades. From performing around the world at gay pride events in Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, and Sydney, to the largest ever concert at sea in 2018 when more than 5,000 LGBTQ fans sang along with her, to being one of the very first major Australian stars to publicly come out in support of marriage equality in 2012, telling the world at the time, quote, with respect to marriage equality, I believe that no one has the right to judge and deny couples who love each other the ability to make a marriage commitment. Love is love. End quote. Or, going back to her Grammy Award winning music video, the first Grammy Award ever for a music video, folks, for her iconic physical that incorporated a gay storyline without blinking. As she recently told me when asked about her gay fans, she said, they were there long ago, and they've stuck around. When you read the comments section on the internet for interviews she's given, it's all the same sentiment, and these are actual quotes. What a lovely asset to the human race. God bless you, Olivia. You have given so much to the world. And you are a gift. Olivia's always radiated joy, hope, and compassion, determined to be a force for good in the world. In her brand new memoir, Don't Stop Believin', for the first time she shares her journey from Melbourne schoolgirl to international superstar in this deeply personal book. I experienced the autobiography as an audiobook, and I have to tell you, it's the way to go. Hearing the Australian diva story told in her own voice made the experience that much more personable. She's warm, candid, funny, moving, everything you want Olivia Newton-John to be because that's who she is. A legendary musician, actress, activist, and icon, Olivia Newton-John reveals her own life story, from her unforgettable rise to fame in the classic musical Grease, to her passionate advocacy for health and wellness in light of her battles with cancer. From the perspective that counts the most, her own. She titled the memoir after one of her great 1970s hits, Don't Stop Believin'. Let's take a listen, and then we will chat with Olivia Newton-John. Here to 
Hi, Randy. Olivia, how are you? Good. How are you doing? How wonderful to hear your voice again. Yeah, you too. <laughs> I say again because I just listened to the audio version of your book this weekend. Oh, oh, okay. How was it? Oh, my gosh. That is the way to go. I have to tell everyone that ever hears this, you have to listen to Olivia tell her own story in her own voice. I think it means so much more, and, and there's a clarity of intention and feeling and atmosphere. Oh, my gosh. And I've never listened to an audio book before. Oh, really? You know, my first one was Michelle Obama. Oh, well, that's a really good one, too. And I loved it. Yeah, and now I'm listening to another one. Interesting. It's a novel, and this woman does all the different voices and everything. Oh, interesting. But it's great, because I find if I have 10 minutes that I couldn't sit down and read, but I can listen to the story. I don't know if it's as good for your brain. <laughs> well, I will say, you mentioned Michelle Obama. You you two have something in common now, you know. You're both New York Times best-selling authors. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Isn't that well, exciting? Just, uh, so exciting. If I can catch up to her even halfway, I'll be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to say, I love the book, especially because, you know, so many people expect these kind of salacious items and stories and tell all things happen and instead i think what the the fans get from you is more of an understanding of what happened behind the scenes without any of that kind of gossipy stuff well i didn't want to be gossipy and i don't like tell all gossipy books because i figure that your friends are your friends and relationships you've been in are between you mm -hmm. and that person i mean i did talk a little bit about my marriage and i talked a little bit about um, my boyfriends in my life but nothing nothing in great depth and we're all friends anyway we ended up to be all friends so that was that's how I wanted to do it well and I'm happy to say that I've seen that I've seen your your relationship with Matt and that you guys have stayed friends what a great force that's been for Chloe to yes yes exactly and and you know your children are the most important thing in this in a marriage if you have children then the whole intent is to make it as comfortable for them if you sadly have to go through a divorce and, and we had actually agreed even before we got married, because we lived together for quite a few years. So we you know, we discussed the fact that should anything happen between us, that the child would not be, you know, the pawn between us. We'd make that work. And we did make that work. There was never any argument about that. He could see her whenever she, he wanted to. You know, another thing that's terrific in this is that you do spend time talking about the evolution and the journey of getting the O&J Cancer Wellness and Research Center up. Yes. It's so important that people understand, first of all, that it was an, an enormous undertaking and that you go through all the different steps in the Great Walk and everything and how you had to consider things. Can you talk about that a bit? Because you give us so much information about that and so many people know so much about your music and your entertainment life, but the work that you put into that is just Herculean. Oh, thank you. That was a, a work of love. You know, they, they asked me in, in my hometown of Melbourne, Australia, where I grew up and my, my father was the dean of a college there and my brother was a doctor and I was asked by the Austin Health uh, Corporation, which is a big hospital ca campus there, if I'd lend my name to a cancer center. And I had strong feelings that, first of all, I wasn't sure about using my name on a building. I felt really weird and I said, well, maybe it should just be the family name. And my brother said, no, 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 it has to be you. And my mother said, Darling, if you can help people, you should do this. So between the two, I decided, well, you know, if I can help, I will do it. But we need to have a wellness center included because when I had cancer in 1992, I was able to incorporate all these wellness programs into my healing, and I wanted that availability to the patients. 
So uh, with much difficulty, that actually became a reality. And gosh, how many years ago was it? We walked the Great China Wall and started the, the awareness that what we're trying to do. And wonderful Diane and Gary Haven from Curves gave us the first a million dollars to launch the center. Mm-hmm. And Diane walked with me on the wall. So it was like uh, a work of love and, you know, going to all the politicians and begging for money, which I never could have seen myself doing. But I did all those things. And, you know, I wasn't the sole person. There were many, many people involved, but I was kind of fronting the fundraising. And we did it and it's built and it's functioning and people are going there and loving it. And then last year, when I fractured my sacrum, I got to experience the hospital myself, which was such a gift. You yes, know? you were like, like an undercover <laughs> boss. I, that's what I called myself, undercover boss, because only the nurses taking care of me and the people that I was directly seeing, the people in radiotherapy, etc., knew I was there. And I didn't want to fast and I didn't want the press turning up at the hospital. So we kept it very quiet so I could have peace and they could have peace. And it turned out to be the most wonderful gift for me because I got to experience the actual center that I had created, helped create. And it was wonderful. And the nurses were so wonderful. And the facility had lots of light, all the things that I had dreamt of. And I did the wellness programs in my room. They brought artwork to my room and and music. And uh, it was just, it was just great. You got to experience what it was you always wanted your patients to experience. And did you feel that that was, did you walk away going, oh my gosh, we've actually done it. We've done this thing. Yes, I did. And, you know, leaving there, um, I write about it in the book, the last chapter. I actually added a chapter for the American release. Yeah, because it came out after the um, Aussie one and added that chapter in. When I read it, I can't even believe that I got to experience the hospital for my 70th birthday, which I thought I was going to be having all these big wild parties around the world. And and there I was in my wellness center with my family and my husband, and it couldn't have been better. I only wish my daughter had been there, but other than that, it was great. I also wanted to touch on, you do speak a little bit about making the movie and the series Sorted Lives, and I love that because, you know, you have so, so, so many LGBTQ fans, and we love bits May, and I love that you talked about the fact that you wanted to take this on, that, that this was completely different from anything you'd done, but as an actress, you just jumped in and you really enjoyed this whole thing, and I love that you wrote the songs with Amy Skye, so I love that you share that with the audience, too, because, you know, people pay attention to Xanadu and, and Grease, of course, which we all love, but talking about Sorted Lives was fun for me to hear. Well, Sorted Lives was so much fun to make, and interestingly enough, Del Shaw's just came to visit me last week, so it was great. To catch up with him, they released a movie called Sorted Wedding, which is the follow-up to Sorted Life, which he gave me a copy of, so I can't wait to see it. And he's doing a one-man show. He's a very, very brilliant guy. And he was very close to my sister, Rona. And that's how I met Del and went to see his play and went to see Sorted Lives. And I, I remember seeing him afterwards backstage, and I, I just casually said, kind of for fun, look, if you ever make this into a movie, think of me for Bitsy because she played guitar and she was a little crazy. I thought, I never thought it would happen. Six months later, he calls me and says, well, you know that movie? (laughs) We're going to make it. Would you like to be Bitsy? So that's how that happened. And it was really fun. You know, one more thing that I loved about the audiobook too, and hearing your voice is you instinctively, whenever you speak about your mother and you quote her, you use her German accent which is perfection. <laughs> I love that. And every now and then when you quote some Aussies, you, you lean into Aussie thing too. So the whole experience of the audiobook is, is, is so much fun. It's like listening to a radio show practically. I love it. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> it was fun. 
It's fun to do. Now, let me ask you about Gaia, which I have had a chance to visit, and it really is heaven on earth in Australia. It really, really is. But you talk about Gaia. You talk about how it came about, and Gaia continues to expand. You have a new skincare line for Gaia, correct? Yes, we have a wonderful skincare line. We've had it before, but we've redone it and upgraded it. It's called Retreatment. And the idea being that you take the experience of Gaia home with you. So we recreated our um, you know, signature scents, and so it has beautiful smells. And if you went to the spa or if you were just in, in Gaia, you'll recognize that. Plus, it's beautiful natural skin care, and we use a lot of Australian products in it, natural herbs and some from the Amazon, because my husband was involved in helping with the skincare line as well. And so there's like five... Oh, there's probably about 15 products, but there are like five of them that I just love. The eye cream, the scrub, the mask, the moisturizer, the kakadu serum, and the oil, the amazing oil serum. All these things are fantastic. And we launched it in Australia recently, and we're hoping to launch it in America soon. Oh, fantastic. And people can order it online. I think they can order it through Gaia's website at the moment, but we hope to be in you know, some other easier to get for Americans soon. That's awesome. If anyone can experience even just a part of Gaia uh, in their homes in America or around the world, I think that's awesome because having visited, it is just everything you've always said it is. It's my favorite place to go in the world. And, you know, when I go to Australia, the first place I always go to is Gaia and kind of regroup and and eat our incredible food because we grow our own organic food. And, you know, we started out as this little place, Greg and I, who started Gaia, had no idea what we were doing, but it's turned into a world-class retreat that's won awards from all over the world, and I'm incredibly proud of it. For good reason. Yeah, it's so fabulous. And Greg's just built, we just built a couple of new suites that are stunning. So you have to go online and have a look. <laughs> I will. I, one last thing. I love that you are speaking out on behalf of cannabis and what it can do to help people with cancer and its healing and that it's been a maligned plant. And that, uh, I think you've even said, you know, nobody dies from cannabis. They, they die from other things, but not from cannabis. So I, I appreciate that you've been speaking out about that. But, you know, for thousands of years, it was in everyone's medicinal cannabis. Or in, you know, they, the Chinese used to carry it across. When they traveled, they take the cannabis plants with them. I mean, it's an amazing plant. They're doing thousands of studies. And if people want to um, uh, educate themselves, they should go online because they're doing many, many research programs into the healing properties of cannabis for cancer, for Parkinson's, for so many things. Obviously, epilepsy for young kids. It's wonderful. It's really helped me such a lot. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you, Andy. Great to hear your voice. You have an awesome day. Thank you. Talk to you soon. You too. Love to you both. Bye, Tom.
With the release of her memoir, Olivia adds New York Times best-selling author to her long, long list of accomplishments as she debuted Don't Stop Believin' at number 12 on the highly revered list. I can't encourage you enough to get her book. As I said, I really like the audiobook experience. But I want you to take this journey with Olivia. It's exactly what an autobiography by this famously upbeat, positive artist would and should be. I'll have a link in the show notes on where you can order it. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing The Randy Report with your friends. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com and instinctmagazine.com where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. I'm going to close this episode with one more track from Olivia. She recently hit number one yet again on the Billboard charts, but this was her first number one on the dance charts. It was a remake of her classic hit Magic, retitled You Have to Believe, and it was a collaboration with her daughter, Chloe Latanzi. This is You Have to Believe. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. You have to believe for you. Just hold me tight, we can dance in the moon